Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Virginia Dupree. She's an artist, an art therapist, and an ordained minister. She graduated, graduated from the Candler School of Theology in 1994. While serving as an ordained minister, Virginia was a client of art therapy as a way of tending to her own needs and issues so that she could better help others. In 2000, she completed a master degree in art therapy from Vermont College at Norwich University and began helping people to heal, grow, and expand spiritually through the use of art making. Virginia works with adult individuals, couples, and groups for art therapy and spiritual formation. She makes art with found objects and recycled objects. Virginia, thank you for being on the show today. It's great to be here. So you kind of started out your your path as an ordained minister and then got moved into art from there. Can you talk about that a little bit, how that happened? Yes. I, um, two years after being in, um, after getting ordained, I got put myself into art therapy as a client. Um, I was tired of being in my head after graduate school and writing sermons every week, but I knew I needed a way to stop and listen and continue my own personal growth. So I was a client of art therapy, and over a couple of years, it started to make a lot of sense to me that the art that I was creating was pointing me both to my own deeper knowing, and it was a way that the Spirit guided me and and. So it became a practice of listening. Um, I thought of it as meditation. I think of it as meditation and prayer um, to show up to the blank page and listen. So um, eventually I decided to leave the more public, um, recognizable role of preacher (laughs) and work more um, with folks on an individual and group basis in spiritual formation and therapy. So... Had you done art, were you an artist growing up, or had you done art before you went into art therapy? No, I was terrified of art. Yes, high school, never took an art class, but really appreciated the art that my friends made. Um, College never took any art. But the background was my mom was a professional potter, um, and I, I think probably was listening on some level I wasn't aware of um, about what how much life that gave her to um, do her own art. And um, so I feel like it was kind of a lot of paths weaving together without my even knowing it. But but so art therapy led me to want to learn to to learn more about how to do art. But I I did a, um, a training in order to start an art therapy degree. You have to have classes equal to almost a major in fine art um a major or a minor in fine art and and the either a major or minor in psychology and so i did go back and take classes in drawing and sculpture and painting um but still my favorite 
medium is to find objects out usually in the natural world and they evoke an image. They tell I might see a, a shape or a texture or something that reminds me of something. I take it back to the studio and work with it that way. And so my training helps me sometimes. <laughs> Well, and I know in the information that you sent me, you mentioned that you um, currently have been working on pendants that yes. are made from snake from snake bones. Yes, that's really an interesting type of art. Yes. <laughs> so how did you how did that come about? How did you come upon taking snake bones and turning that in, turning that into pendants? And your your pendant is beautiful. I would have never actually looked at that and said, oh, that's a snake bone. Nobody ever recognizes them. Some people were ah. <laughs> Some people were oh, that's beautiful. Um, I grew up um, in a family that was spent a lot of time outdoors, and I grew up in a family that does some hunting, very uh, ethical hunting, um, where, uh, anyway, that's a whole different, another topic. Um, but my father would give me the feathers of um, birds, particularly wild turkeys. I get his feathers. I get the turkey feet. <laughs> um, but... In the farm practices, the tractors sometimes run over the rattlesnakes in South Georgia, and they get caught up in the tractor tines. And so he started giving me carcasses of snakes, and for a long time I didn't know what to do with these things. Um, it's not every dad that would say, no. I think my daughter would like to have these. No. <laughs> uh, uh, very funny story. He actually, they, they had to kill a snake that was either going to bite somebody or somebody had to come in and actually shoot the snake because of it was coiled up and facing off with another, with a human being. And so they shot a particular snake and he came in a couple of Christmases ago into my house with a big black garbage bag said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and a friend of mine was there, and, and I opened the bag, and I thought, oh, my gosh, they're wondering to think about my family. But anyway, it was a coiled-up diamondback rattlesnake in the bag, um, frozen. And um, so anyway, part of the listening of that process was to put it in the freezer for Christmas. <laughs> and then, but later, the listening of feeling a little bit like, oh, gosh, I don't like that these snakes are getting killed and the farm practices, um, and yet I've got this snake downstairs in my freezer. And I started, I had a dream about this snake um, in the basement that wanted out. And so I got it out and, um, skin, you know, went through a process of getting to the bones. I actually buried it and let nature do its thing as far as cleaning it down to the bones and um and just thought the bones were just amazingly beautiful and thought what can I do with these and I've sat with them for a couple of years and I've made some jewelry but I've hesitated um about whether or not it's okay to sell them or or what because I want to be respectful of the snake but continue to listen and think okay I can keep it put away in my basement or um, you know, tell the the story of the snake and and um and make it beautiful and and um let people wear it and so that's what I'm doing right now. So he's really getting out of your basement in a big way because oh, you're telling the stories about him. Seriously, getting out of my basement. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of I put it out there this year um for a couple of holiday um nonprofit 
sales and and so the snake will be um, moving through some art sales <laughs> this winter <laughs> well and and you know I, there's books about animal spirits and when you see yes. animals what they mean and snakes are very transformational yes. you know it's um, my husband and I are always very excited when we're out riding our bikes and we see snakes because it's like oh there's that means there's good things happening mm-hmm. right now so yes Yes, and the, just the ability for the snake to shed its skin over and over again whenever it's outgrown its old one and get a new one, and um, I hope I can do that the rest of my life. <laughs> well, and it sounds like you've kind of done that up to this point in your life. You've kind of shed mm-hmm. your skin into a couple of different variations of your career. Yes, and, and art making has helped that process continue on. That's- I um, took an, a continuing education art therapy class Many years ago, at the time I had just gotten divorced, and it was a very painful thing. And I remember going to this art therapy class, and I, my background is as a graphic designer and an artist. But it felt very intimidating for me um, to go into it, partly because I felt like I had this expectation of myself of what I needed to create because because I had an art background. Mm-hmm. But I remember... Um, the woman that taught our class, there was a, one of the exercises we did, and I drew this bird that was way up in the sky and, you know, little tiny tree at the bottom. And part of the discussion about that was it felt like that there was a lot of unknown, and it was a very uncomfortable place for me to be. And I remember her saying to me, you, you have to get comfortable with not knowing. Yes. And I that was really such a dramatic shift for me to say, oh, I can get comfortable with not knowing. I really? bet that was my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was my mentor that said that to you. But. It might have been. Yes, Maxine yes. Hull was her name. Uh, I know Maxine, but no, Elizabeth um, Weathersby was mine, but Maxine is one of the uh, mothers of art therapy in Atlanta, for sure. Well, I just that was the first I had ever really encountered art therapy, and I thought, wow, I could really see how this yes. could make such a healing process for somebody. Yes, yes. I think the whole practice of showing up to the blank page um, and I think the first thing we deal with is a critic that wants to come in and tell us, you know, we're going to mess it up or we're not any good at this or or just the anxiety of we have this opportunity of the blank page and what are we going to do with it. And all dealing with all of that is a spiritual practice, I think, every time you do it. So how has how has your art affected your spiritual expression? Hmm. Or how does your spirituality find expression in the way that you do art? I I would I describe my art process as a listening and a following um, process, and um, I don't know if that answers your question. I'm trying to think if I. Um, so do you have a process that you use to get into that space of listening and following? Yes. Um, I have a really specific process as far as, you know, um, method of getting into the art of uh, of setting aside a specific time and showing up and actually lighting a candle to enter into the time and then being in front of the materials. Um, I don't usually plan the product that I'm going to create, but the listening is sitting in front of the materials and and seeing what color chooses me or what object chooses me. Um, but right now I'm making these, these snake bone pendant necklaces. I'll sit with the bone and see what color stones just 
feel right to put together with the necklace. So I don't I don't plan it ahead of time. But because a lot of my art starts with um, finding objects outside, the listening starts out there, you know, and then I bring it into the studio. Um, but but that's that's the process. But having time set aside, having a particular place that's set up ready for me to do the art, all of that to me is kind of um, groundwork for for making sure that I show up to it. If I have to go and clear off a place and pull out materials and um, just squeeze it in wherever I have time, then it's um, that would be kind of spirituality hit or miss. And it's it's a practice. I don't say I'd, I'm not perfect at it, but pra- with practice, it's gotten easier to show up on a regular basis. So do you... Um do you do your own art every day? Do you have a time every day that you work on it? Well, there are practices that I do every day. As far as um, Fridays <laughs> are, are my big art day. It's kind of an all-day art day usually for me. Um, and otherwise, every morning I get up and write. I um, started teaching the artist's way after doing the artist's way 20 years ago, I mean, the year the book came out, I think I did it. And I do morning pages every day. Um, and I actually do a writing that's just a responsive writing to scripture every day. That's something that I've started new because I kind of left the whole um, church scene for a while but have really missed grappling um, with scripture, so I've added that in. So that's those are daily things that aren't necessarily art products, but I feel like it's a spiritual practice that is, is groundwork for the further and then for further artwork, and I then make sure on Fridays that I show up. So not to. art products, but art process, mm-hmm. which then can lead to art products. Yes, and I mean, you know, making necklaces, obviously there's a product, and so um, sometimes there's a difference there, but there's still always a listening. I don't, I don't walk in knowing this is the necklace I'm going to make. Um, but then, you know, I see art therapy clients every day and meet with groups, and I do art in the context of those groups, and that art is different. I'm not working with my bones during group. So do you work differently when you're working one-on-one with a with a um, client with art therapy versus when you're working in a group with art therapy clients? Um, yes, Um the structure of those is very different. Um, on an individual basis, the art making um, is based specifically on, you know, where they are and what they're needing. And, there, you know, we will go back and forth between conversation and making art. In group settings, we start off just making art. With, there's some music in the background, but we start off just making art and you know, talking among ourselves for an hour and then, there's some reflection afterwards about what has come up in the art process, um, but even in that, I would I still use that phrase listening and following. Working with people to me is an art, and it's a collaboration and listening and seeing what they're creating and reflecting back to them what I'm seeing. That's that's the art of art therapy. <laughs> well, it's one of the things that I think has been fascinating with doing the show is you know discovering what common themes that a lot of the artists bring up when when I talk to them. And listening is one of those themes that seems mm-hmm. to be, you know, a very strong theme for a lot of people. Um, how, how do you, like, how do your ideas come to you? How do you listen to those ideas? And then how do you decide which ideas you're going to pursue? 
it it really because I and my personal art is um, comes primarily from the natural world. It, my materials change, the images change based on maybe where I've been hiking and what has presented itself to me. Um, sometimes I will find an old stump that looks like something to me, whether it's an alligator or or bird head or something, and I'll I'll take it back and work with it, or um, or I might find a whole pile of seed pods that just I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I really like the textures of them. So, so I don't, it changes is all I know how to say. So when you take things, these found objects back to your studio, do you have a way of, you know, cataloging them or, or being able to remember that you have them? Yes, I, um, I'm lucky to have a great studio <laughs> with space to spread these out. And it's actually, I like to just put them out in a way that's, pretty just to look at them without them being made into anything else so that I display them kind of I guess it would look like art the way they're displayed even the beads that I work with it looks like art the way they're displayed but um that was that's one of the ways that I have my work has evolved over the years is I really wanted um a space that would feel kind of like a retreat um retreat and therapy studio and I wanted it behind my house because I back up to this acreage of forest and so that's in the last year i built that and that's that's where i am that's where i do my art and that's where people come for therapy but i'm lucky that i have space to spread it all out and see it so it's not put away in a box it's right there in front of me so in your studio you've got where you work personally as well as where you work with with clients yeah. So are they connected together, or do you have kind of separate areas? They're all in the same room, but I kind of I put a wall, not with a door, but just a wall that separates off a little nook that's my area. And everybody knows that's my area. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go touching Virginia's yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll share stuff from my group, but... but a lot of the materials are the same, but like the bones, you know, limited supply of bones. Right. And not many people want to work with snake bones. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find that a lot of your art therapy clients have have experience as artists or are a lot of them coming in brand new? I, I would definitely a mix. Um, there's pros and cons to both. People who have art training, um, similar to what you said there can come in with if there's formal training there's also been some training for critique of this is how you're supposed to work with balancing the energy on the the color on the page and all that and that critic for art therapy is not always helpful because sometimes it's not about making something pretty sometimes it's Mm -hmm. just trying to follow it wants to go down and life is not always pretty and that needs to show up in the art um and I can't now. I'm lost the question. <laughs> we were just, we were just saying if people if people had experience as artists or if they came in as as non artists, right? Typically, and, and the um, folks who don't have any training, um, there can be some kind of there can be either excitement about the materials of like, wow, I haven't gotten to do this since I was five. You know, when you see all the materials out on the table, or kind of some fear of the page. So. Um, 
but everybody deals with the critic, whether you're trained or not. But but it works for both. I find myself working with a lot of people who are artists who make a living that way or um, who are in a job where they may want to keep that job, but they want to be doing more creative work outside of that job, um, as well as folks who would never call themselves artists, but the working with materials gets them out of their head and helps them go to a different level of knowing that they can't get to with words. So do most of your clients work with you for multiple sessions or um, I do time-limited groups um, that, like Artist's Way groups or Art as a Way of Knowing groups, it might be 8 to 12 weeks. Um, I have ongoing um, art therapy groups that are for people who usually most of those folks have done um, therapy work, have kind of some groundwork there, and they want just a way to stay, uh, to have a way to keep listening and keep showing up to themselves and um so, yes, those folks, that's ongoing and long-term, and people make a longer-term commitment to be in those groups. Um, and individually, it it I, it can range from more problem-solution-focused therapy to longer, longer-term. Depends on what's going on with somebody. So how has your art affected your spiritual evolution, or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? I think that art has, in making art, has been what's kept me open to the unknown and being willing to continue to grow and expand. Um, Art always holds mystery before you, (laughs) and um, that's a big part of the spiritual experience to me. And as long as I'm alive, I want to keep expanding into that. And there's something about Again, the blank page and listening to the materials and not knowing what's going to come out of that process that that is a way of practicing being open to the to the great mystery moving inside. So at what point did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Oh. <laughs> I still struggle with that title, but um I started claiming being creative in my twenties and then I officially became an art therapist in my early thirties. And I'm 45 now. I've been selling art off and on for the last 10 years. And I'll call myself an outsider artist, but I don't really like that title because if somebody who decides who's inside and who's outside, of, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I, I use that term because it's the only term I know to describe that, yes, I've got training and drawing and painting and sculpting, but what I do is not about those things it's i'm just working with materials that i like to work with and seeing what happens so once you kind of embraced art as a path that you were going to be on did you find that it changed the the kind of interactions that you had with your mom you said your mom was Mm -hmm. a professional artist Mm -hmm. when you were growing up yes i do um we have a connection um because of the art that we both do that's i i think it's a special connection um um i i knew even as a kid that she was happiest when she was in her studio um and it was an outlet from being a mom to four children and i was the youngest of four so um when we could get past her being responsible for raising me and um and all that 
went with that earlier in life. We've just enjoyed supporting each other's creative work. And we're actually, I'm kind of excited about this. It means a lot to me that we're, we're going to do a mother-daughter art sale um, in November. We've never done that before, but she's 75 and I'm 45. I don't, and we're, I'm going to sell snake bone necklaces and she's going to sell her pottery that she, she's a professional potter and well known for her work. And so it's, it's special to do this with her. So have you all ever thought about collaborating, collaborating on art together? You mean like me doing something with her pots or, well, you know, it's interesting. She, uh, I have taken like when she has broken pots that don't make it through the firing process and I have made many things out of her broken pottery shards and, um, you know, and just therapeutically as we all work through the uh, separating from our parents and who they want us to be and who we really are. I worked a lot with her, the broken pottery shards and snake skins from my dad and feathers. And I've got pieces that combine all of that. Um, so that's not collaborative, collaborative with her, except that she hands me, I mean, there's a metaphor in this. She hands me all the broken shards and says, here, make something, <laughs> make something with it. And my dad hands me snake skins. Here, make something with it. And, um, it's a gift. It's a gift. And it's, and it's a powerful metaphor to me. Well, and I think it is kind of a unique, um, vision to be able to take things that are recycled or broken or, mm-hmm. you know, that people don't want anymore and then turn it into something that people want again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, yes, and and some of it people want, and some of it <laughs> people don't want. <laughs> but um, and that's okay too. Yes, yes. So, you know, to let the um, let it come up, and then you can decide later whether or not it's something to put out there. <laughs> <laughs> so you do a lot of things on your own when you're doing your own work, and then you do a lot of things with other people when you're either working one on one with clients or when you're working with a group or um, do you have a different way of of connecting to your divine flow when you're working individually versus when you're working in conjunction with with groups of people or, or other individuals um yes the the listening when i'm doing my personal art you know is really listening to what i what's coming up inside me that wants to go down and and that connects you to feelings sometimes it connects you to experiences sometimes and and so that's you know it's it's me and spirit and the page or whatever i'm working on when i'm working with other people um i'm more i'm still listening but i'm i'm an observer of their process and kind of helping mirror what reflecting to them what i'm noticing and but the collaboration is they get to decide whether or not what i'm seeing fits for them so that and that's what i love about art therapy is the image comes out of the person that makes it and that is the source for healing and growth and and all good therapy is this that the therapist is not the source it's 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 inside the person but the art in a very concrete way points people back to their own knowing and it came out of them and so my listening in that process is really listening and mirroring back to the client and that's different well and i know one of the things that um that you said in the bio you sent me was that that you do a lot of work with process art can you describe a little bit about what that 
what that is, process art? Well, process art is just probably a different way of describing the listening, um, listening and following pro- part. Um, it's just process art is saying you, you don't have a planned product in mind and you are listening for what materials want to be used today, <laughs> um, what colors, shapes, objects want to be put together. Um, so that's kind of the way you work all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the necklaces are different because there's a product, and I know it's going to be a necklace at the end of it, but what it's going to look like, I don't know. Right. So, so tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and find out more about about your work and art therapy and, and your art. Um, there, I actually have two websites right now. One is spiritcreating.com and one is just virginiadupree.com. I'm switching over. And by telephone, 404-272-3890. Okay. And why don't you spell Virginia Dupree for listeners? V-I-R-G-I-N-I-A D-U-P-R-E. Excellent. Well, and do you have any last thoughts for our listeners about how they might um, connect their own creativity to their spiritual expression? Um, the biggest thing I would say is try to try to give yourself some time to do it. It's really about play. So setting aside some time to go play and listen to what what wants to come up out of that. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art as worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.